Hi, my name is Ruth Friedman, and I serve as the Maharat at Ohev Shalom, the National Synagogue in Washington, D.C. And welcome to my weekly Parsha podcast, Life Imitates Torah. This week's Parsha, Vayishlach, introduces us to the famous story of Yaakov wrestling with the angel. Now, the story comes at, uh, it serves as a break in a larger story about Yaakov and his entire family returning to his father's land. And as part of that, Yaakov has to send messengers to his brother Esav and say, hey, my family and I are coming. And that is something that for him is very scary because the last time he's encountered his brother, it was when he stole the bracha and and Esav had vowed to kill him. So though it is many years later, Yaakov seems pretty terrified to meet his brother Esav. And so as he is preparing to keep getting his family ready, getting the camp ready to encounter Esav, he finds himself on the other side of the river of Yavok. He's gotten everyone across and he is left alone on the other side and it is nighttime. And this angel comes and wrestles with Yaakov all night until the break of dawn. And that is when Yaakov gets the uh, famous hip injury that is the reason that Jews do not eat um, the the certain part of the animal, the Gida Nasha. And also, of course, when Yaakov gets his new name, Yisrael, because he has wrestled with God and won. So, what is this scene really doing here? Without it, the story would still make sense. So what is it contributing to this conversation? I wanted to look at two different opinions of how they understand the story. First is the Radak and then also the Rashbam. So first, let's look at the Radak. And what I just want to note that both of these commentaries have in common is that they are addressing Yaakov's fear of Esav. So the Radak says that, first of all, that Yaakov ends up alone on the other side of the Yavok because he went back after he schlepped everyone across. He goes back to make sure that they hadn't forgotten anything. And then this angel comes and wrestles with Yaakov all night. So why does this happen? He says, well, yes, Yaakov was really afraid of his brother Esav. And the Radak does not like Esav. He sees Esav as being evil and as representing evil, Etc. And so, yes, Yaakov is afraid of him. So this angel comes to wrestle with him to send Yaakov a message. And the message is that, Yaakov, you are going to encounter evil over the course of your lifetime. And also your people will encounter evil forces in the course of their of our time as a people. And even though we might wrestle with them and it will be scary, we, at the end of the day, will always power through. Our enemies will never be able to overpower us. There will be struggles in the time of darkness, but at the end of the day, we will always prevail. Just like when the light comes in the morning, it represents that ultimately at the end of the day, Yaakov will always be strongest and we will never be taken down by our enemies. So this is a, a way of giving Yaakov a message that gives him chizuk, that gives him reinforcement, that gives him strength before encountering his brother. Don't forget, God says, you are always going to win. And then the injury, he presents two possibilities. The first is that the injury represents that although we will win, we may get injured in the process, right? We're not going to glorify this. We're not going to say that life is always going to be easy as a Jew. We may sustain serious injuries, which is a message tragically that we know all too well this week. 
but we will always ultimately at the end of the day prevail. Now, the second reason that he offers for this injury is he says, it's also a bit of a punishment to Yaakov. Why? Because Yaakov really shouldn't have been quite as afraid as he was. Yaakov should have had, if he had had like complete, really full faith in God, Yaakov would not have been as afraid of Esau as he actually was. We see Yaakov sending him messages, Yaakov acting in a self-deprecating way, Yaakov bowing down to Esau. And the doc says, really, Yaakov, he, he should have had more faith in God that God would fully protect him. Um, but he didn't. And so this injury is kind of like a reminder, a little bit of a punishment for Yaakov that he could have believed in God more. He could have trusted in God more. Okay, so that's the Radak. Now I want to shift to the Rashbam. Now the Rashbam's commentary begins with also his understanding of how Yaakov ended up alone on the other side of the Avok. Now he says Yaakov is not alone because he went back to make sure they didn't forget anything. Yaakov is alone because he was so afraid of Esav, just like the Redak says he was afraid of Esav, but he's so alone that he was actually preparing to run away in the middle of the night. Now that may have been alone run away or may have been with his family, the second camp, leaving the first camp to encounter Esav and but guess be decimated by them. And so why does this angel come? This angel doesn't come, like the Redak says, to serve as chizuk, to, to build Yaakov's confidence up and remind him. No, this angel comes, if anything, really the opposite. The angel comes to wrestle with Yaakov all night to keep him to stay put. That he had, that this angel was there basically to stall, to wrestle with Yaakov all night so that Yaakov couldn't go anywhere. And that why does the angel leave at dawn? Because at that point, it's light out. Yaakov can't flee in the middle of the night anymore. People will be able to see him. And so the angel is there all night wrestling with him, literally, not just like in this, this random fight, but literally Yaakov is trying to flee and the angel is wrestling to keep him to try to pin him down so that he cannot run away. He has to be able to encounter Asaph. Now, if you read the Rashbam carefully, you see that he says Yaakov had to encounter Esav and Yaakov had to believe that Esav wouldn't hurt him. And that's where Yaakov sort of got this wrong, that he, he failed in believing that he, he thought that, Yaakov, that Esav would actually hurt him. Now, you could at first glance think that that is similar to the Radak, who's also frustrated with Yaakov for um, being so worried that Esav could hurt him and not having enough faith in God. But here's where I think the big difference between the Rashbam and the Radak is. Radak sees this as a failure to believe in God, but the Rashbam sees this as a failure to believe in people. Because if you look back to when Yaakov initially sends these messengers to Esav, uh, he read uh, his in his commentary. The Shabbat says, "Yeah, the angels came back, and man, Esau was so excited to hear from you. He was sameach, like he really seemed happy to see you." And the Shabbat says, "Everyone in Yaakov's camp was excited, but Yaakov was still worried, and he kept that in worrying inside." And so this whole time, everyone is thinking, yeah, we're going to see Esav. Esav's so excited. He's coming with 400 men to come greet us and to escort us and to make sure that we're comfortable. And only inside his own head is Yaakov thinking, oh my God, Esav 
I'm actually terrified. I think Asav isn't coming to greet me, but he is coming to kill me. Now, why is this so important? This is important because right after the story of the wrestling with the angel, we see the actual encounter. All of this fearful buildup, what actually happens with the encounter? Yaakov and Esav see each other, they embrace, they weep, and then they have this beautiful conversation where Esav says, wow, this is your family, and, and they're sort of doing this formal, it's formal, it's the formality, but they're catching up a little bit. And Esav says, hey, can you please come, come stay with me for a little while, come visit, come visit. And Yaakov clearly is thinking, no way, I don't want to do that, and he's really hesitant, and he's trying to make excuses, just like we've all at some point in our life made excuses when we don't want to go somewhere. And finally, Yaakov sees Esav. Asav's not going to relent. So he says, you know what, Asav, how about you go ahead? We're so slow. We've got the kids. We've got the animals. We'll take forever. You go ahead and we'll come and meet you. And so Asaph says, okay, that sounds like a good plan. And he turns around and he and his camp, um, they leave and they go on thinking that Yaakov is coming right behind them. But that doesn't actually happen. The text tells us that then Yaakov doesn't go to meet Asaph, and instead he journeys to Sukkot. And that is the end of Yaakov and Esav's relationship. Now, if you think about this whole thing through the lens of the Radak, then this is actually a really happy moment because it's the moment where Yaakov overcomes his fear of Esav, has full faith in God and says, you know what? I'm not going to go meet Esav. I'm going to go and do my own thing. I'm going to Sukkot. Now, whether that's a sign of fear or a sign of triumph and saying, I don't need to worry, we could debate. But either way, I think the Radak would be happy with how this ended, because it ends with Yaakov going on to do his own thing and not worrying about what Esav is going to think. But if you're the Rashbam, you read this, you see this conclusion, and you, you see it as, a, I think, a real tragedy, that everyone, Esav included, was excited for this reunion, except for Yaakov, that, to the point where God had to come pin Yaakov down all night so he wouldn't run away. And even though the angel came and prevented him from running away, Yaakov still wasn't convinced by this encounter with Esau. Esau was totally excited to see him, but Yaakov wasn't convinced. Yaakov was still terrified. So terrified, in fact, that he still ran away and never met up with Esau. And so for the Rashbam, this is actually, I think, a tragic moment. It's a moment of failure on Esau's part. Uh, excuse me, moment of failure on Yaakov's part to be able to believe that people can actually change. He's so afraid of the past, he's so afraid of their younger years, that he cannot allow himself to say, maybe Esav has actually moved on. He, Yaakov, has not moved on. He's still stuck in his fear, to the point where it cost him an entire relationship with his brother, and in fact, led to a relationship with Seir and Edom that would remain adversarial for the rest of the history of the Jewish people and of the people of Edom. And so I appreciate this view of the Rashbam a lot, and it teaches us that Yes, our faith in God is, also, is important, but also we need to be able to have faith in people as well and faith in the ability of people to change. And one of Yaakov's shortcomings in his own life was that he wasn't really able to internalize that, but that we shouldn't see that as a good thing. We should, we should see that as, as a shortcoming and that we should always work on ourselves to really believe in people, to believe in the positive parts of people and to believe that people can change. Shabbat Shalom.